Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. We have a good friend of mine. If you're here, you're in for such a treat because my friend uh, Kevin Griffin is here today. Uh, You may know if you've been a part of our church for a while, Kevin, uh, his wife Ruthie, their precious family, were a part of this church for many, many years in this community, and God led them. Uh, up to the Pennsylvania area, where now Kevin serves as a lead pastor of Grace Point Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And so we've been talking for several months. Man, when could you come? When could you come and just take a weekend to be back in the Berg and to share? And so I am so excited, church family, in just a minute. He's going to come share his heart. So I know you will be blessed uh, by the message that God has laid on his heart. So as he comes in just a moment, church family, would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Lord, you're here. And you're so good. Your goodness is running after me. I can't, I've sung that song so many times. I can't get over that visual, Lord, of your goodness chasing me down. You are God. You're relentless, God. You're not giving up on us today. And so thank you that your goodness and your faithfulness are running after. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And now we, as we open up the word together today, we're excited, Lord, uh, not just to hear from Kevin, Lord, we're excited to hear from you. So open our eyes and our ears and our hearts today to receive. We don't want to just be hearers of the word today, Lord. We want to be doers. We want to be transformed uh, by you today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning. It's good to see a lot of familiar faces. It'd be nice if some of y'all would smile at me. That'll make me feel a little more relaxed and... I'm kidding. I did want to start out by, my family is not in this service, but I'm going to show you a picture of them so that maybe you would remember them, and they're the three better looking of the four of us. So on the left is Jasmine. She is now 15. Uh, Ruth is on my right in the blue shirt, and Jeremiah is standing there with his Mickey Mouse hat on. He's 11. He's single. Jasmine is unavailable. And then you have Ruth. This is the last time that we were here, uh, is this next slide. We stood here almost three years ago, and uh, your pastor, a good friend of mine, Adrian, prayed over us as we left, and it was really tender. Today is a tender day, Uh, and this isn't going to just be about me, but I did want to just say this. Uh, You know, for 13 years, we we were a part of this church, and we didn't just show up to consume. We tried to show up and serve, and... It was a really, really hard day. If anyone asked me, what's been the hardest transition about leaving Virginia and going to Pennsylvania? It's this. It's this. This building, this place, this ministry, and it was difficult. Um, That was a massive transition. But we are doing well, and they'll be here in a little bit, so you can greet them and say hi to them. So I just want to thank you for having us back. I do love your pastor, and he still looks about exactly the same, which means you've treated him well, so that's good. We don't get to see each other much. We do talk on the phone or text, so it's good to see you all. I want to talk to you this morning. Eventually, I'm going to land in John chapter 14. I don't know how many of you actually use a Bible or you just use your phone, but if you are, you could make some notes in there, and I'm going to land in just a few minutes in John chapter 14. But in essence, it's about the way and the direction. There is something more popular than Google, and it's this. 
It's this image. More popular than the actual Google page is this. Now, most men hate this because it's the directional portion of Google. Most people use this actually more than Google. If you're trying to go somewhere, you go there, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get there? It's just automatic. We just, we do it. Do y'all remember the days when you printed directions? I like this, but there's something I like more than this, and it's this image. Do you guys know this image? This is my favorite. Uh, my brother turned me on to this several years ago, and this is Waze. W-A-Z-E. I love this. It tells you everything. It tells you, you know, object reported on the road ahead. Uh, a vehicle off to the shoulder. It'll even tell you if there's a dead animal on the road. But it tells me my favorite thing. Police reported ahead. When I was here, I used to meet with this guy who is currently in this service, who serves in law enforcement. And he used to say, you do realize, while I was driving and he was sitting there, you do realize I'm a police officer. And I said to him, Clayton, listen, man, there's only two main interstates in the state of Virginia. One is 95 and one is 81. And whichever one I'm on, that's just the speed I go, man. I get confused with the speed limits. What's the purpose of these? The purpose of these, are you listening, is to help you navigate trouble. To get you to avoid a hazard. To help you get from point A to point B without any issues. To take you safely where you're trying to go. That's the whole point. Wow. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, before I get to this, is sitting, you should Google this later. No pun intended, no joke intended. Jesus is sitting in front of the cave of Pan in Matthew chapter 16, and he asked his disciples this question. Who do they say that I am? And then he gets real personal, and he looks at them and he says, now what about you guys? Who do you say that I am? And the importance of this moment is in front of this cave of Pan, there was no Christianity. There was no religious following of any type other than pagan worship. And he looks at his guys and he says to them, in this moment, as Peter reveals, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he looks back at Peter and he says, you didn't come up with that on your own. My father told you that. And in front of this massive pagan worship, the cave of Pan, he asked him this question because he wants to reveal to them, I'm God. I'm God. And then he says, but don't tell anybody. He tells them in that moment, I'm the way. But he wants to know from them, what do they say about me? Then he says, what do you say about me? And then he comes along in John and he says, I've asked you, what do they say? I've asked you now, what do you say? Now I'm going to tell you who I am. And I'm going to do that in some statements about myself. 
John's gospel, I want to say this before I go any further. John's gospel is different. The other synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were different. John was with him. John knew all of this stuff intimately. So when John writes details in his book, he writes them from a person who sat with him. He ate with him. He talked with him. He slept with him. He listened to him pray. He watched the miracles, so when he writes this, he doesn't write this as a person who got a report from somebody else and came back and then wrote down the details. Nothing wrong with that. That's actually what Luke did. John's different. John provides details that the other writers don't know. John was, out of the three, he refers to himself as the beloved. I'm his boy. The reason I write these things is because I know best, because I laid my head on his chest in the last moments. That's the writer that we're going to look at. You need that background as we go to this. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this, but these are written so that you may continue to believe. John's the same writer who said, if we'd have written down all the things about Jesus, there wouldn't be enough books to contain what we watched what I watched this man do. I watched him perform over 40 miracles. I watched him, and he writes that in his book. John comes up with this, starting in chapter 6. He comes up with seven I am statements, and here they are. So Jesus, stay with me now. He's asked, what do they say about me? He's asked them, what do you say about me? And then he comes along to his friend, and he says, now I'm going to tell you guys who I am. I'm going to give it to you so there's no mistaking who I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And he goes through all of these, and we're going to settle in on the sixth one today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has this amazing way of, go back to the first one. He comes along in John chapter 6, and he says, I am the bread of life. He says this right after he's performed the miracle in which he feeds 5,000 people. So he looks at his guys and he looks at everybody else and he says, I don't just provide bread, I am the bread. I didn't just create light, I am the light. But of all the statements, this is the one that's the rub. Even in Christian circles, people have a hard time with this one. They struggle with this one. It seems too exclusive. And I'm going to talk to you about that. I am the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14, verse 6. Stay with me. In John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, here's these chapters. And they're really, really crucial because these are Jesus' final words. I remember walking into the room of my grandmother, Betty Masterman, It was in Denton, Maryland, and I knew, I had made several visits, but I knew things were not going well for her. She was struggling from Alzheimer's. Her own body was fighting to stay alive. She was about 82 years old, and I I had many vivid memories of her, and I loved her. And I remember walking into that room, and every one of those last final visits, I, I would just lean in a little closer. I would cup my ear because I wanted to hear what she had to say to me. Even though she didn't have all of her faculties together, I didn't want to walk out of that room and think, man, did I miss something? Did I, I don't even know if she knew who I was sometimes, but I didn't want to miss 
what Betty had to say to me. And in John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it's as if Jesus is imploring them, would you lean in a little closer? Would you cup your ear? Because my public ministry is over. He's gathered these 12 guys. Remember, I was a basketball coach, so I love 12 guys or 12 women. He's gathered his team, one of which is a traitor. And he's got him in an upper room and he's saying, listen, I need you to listen to me for a few more minutes. I've got a few final things I've got to get off my chest before I leave this earth. Are you guys listening? That's what's taking place here. In John chapter 13, he says this, I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. That I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I accept, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled. Huh? Jesus? Prince of peace? Troubled? And if you had your Bible, you would look at the beginning of John chapter 14, and it would probably say these words. Jesus comforts his disciples. He's called his guys. He's called his team. He's called his boys to get his back in the upper room right there before he's supposed to go away. And the question remains, who's comforting who here? Because in chapter 13, he's struggling. In chapter 13, it point blank tells you that the prince of peace was troubled. And he's supposed to be getting support from his guys. And yet, Jesus, who does what only Jesus can do in his final moments, is comforting his guys. They don't know what's going on. They're clueless. They can't figure it out. What's he talking about? He's leaving. What's he mean he's going? In 13, he told them they can't go. Now in 14, he tells them, you don't know where I'm going, but I'm going away, and I'm going to make a place for you, and you're going to be able to follow me. And they're looking at him, and they are confused. They're more than confused. They're troubled. Have you ever talked to somebody, and they can't figure out what you're saying? They can't figure out the directions? Like, you're trying to explain it to them, and they just don't get it? Now, this is kind of comical. But this is what it seems like when you're talking to people who can't follow you. They just, they don't get it. Watch this. I'm walk, building, left, you're straight. Go straight. You're going to pass a light. Okay. Like that'll be like a crosswalk. Okay. And you're going to keep going. You're going to see big palm trees. Big palm trees. And like a sign that says Barrett. And you, okay. You can't miss it. Okay, that way for sure. So you're yes. Gonna, yeah, so okay. you're going to go this way. You're going to walk down. You're going to pass the light. Okay. You're just going to keep walking straight. And on your right side, you'll see Barrett. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I just wasn't getting it. Do you see that building right there? Yes. Right in front of us? Correct. You're gonna go to that building, okay. and then you're just gonna make a left. Oh, literally right there. Yeah. Make, a, make a left, and then go. just go straight, and then you'll see a sign that says Barrett. So, straight. Well, so, so that building, you're gonna take a left, then you're gonna go straight for a while, like this way. Okay. And you're gonna... Sorry, I was just confused because. No, no, you're good. Okay. Yeah, you're I should have explained yeah. it better, but you're going to go through the light. Okay. And you're going to just keep walking straight. You're going to keep going straight. Yeah, that's straight, what I mean. just straight all the right way. And then Barrett will just be on the right. Okay. Be on your right yeah. side. Perfect. 
Okay. It's gonna be like 10 minutes. Okay, thanks, guys. Perfect. So, down here. Barrett? <laughs> I, I can't. Barrett, the honor store. Yeah, yeah. Right, you said. Go this way, this way. So, walk okay. down this way. Yeah. See, you see that big building over there? Okay. That's huge. Yeah. With the glass? laminated type of glass, yeah. yeah. Walk towards that. Then you're gonna take a left. Okay, right, thanks. <laughs> I like how the girl, she was like, just walk like this, you know? She had to literally demonstrate it for him. It's interesting, there was more to this video, but many of the people who gave this individual who was struggling with directions just let the guy walk away. This couple actually cared that he wasn't getting it. Do you? Does it trouble you that you live in a world with people who are going in the wrong direction and they're clueless. They're clueless. I took a class this fall because now I'm supposed to go from being a basketball coach to becoming a preacher. So it's class number one. In this class are words that I'm not understanding. And I'm not joking. Preachers will get up here and exaggerate. This is no exaggeration. The class in the fall, because of the pandemic, was on a screen. And on the screen, there's like six of us in the class. And this professor has gone on for two hours straight without taking a breath. He has one doctorate. He's working on his second doctorate. He's saying words I don't understand. And I'm trying to figure out while I'm sitting in a room by myself and I'm looking at the other faces on the screen and I'm trying to evaluate, are they as clueless as me? But of course you can't ask this because it's not a real class. It's a Zoom and I'm sitting there. I'm just lost. So finally I realized I know one guy in the class. He lives in New Jersey. I texted him. My first question was, are we going to get a bathroom break? Because I got to get a break here. Second question, are you confused? This went on for two classes, 9 to 1, one Saturday. Again, the next Saturday, 9 to 1. I go home and I tell Ruth and Jeremiah and Jazz, I'm like, I'm not going to pass the first class. I cannot become a pastor because I don't know what this guy's talking about. Religious pluralism in the postmodern world. I was lost. Second story. I was 16, 17, I was in South Jersey, I was with a buddy of mine, we were in a car, we were headed, this is the first time I've been in a car without my parents driving it, they let us go to a church event, it was to meet girls, to be clear, and we're in South Jersey, I knew South Jersey pretty well, we were supposed to be at this event at 7 o'clock, it's 6.45, we discover we are one hour from this event. We have gone one hour in the wrong direction. It's one thing to be lost. It's another thing to be lost and have no clue you're going in the wrong direction. Have you been there? John 14. John chapter 14. If you do actually have a Bible, I would encourage you underline every word that repeats and then I'm gonna give you two words to circle underline every word that repeats here we go do not let your hearts be troubled same rendering for the words that were used when Jesus calmed the sea when the disciples were all upset same rendering 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe, there's one, also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Next verse. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know, circle that one, the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me? You're getting the repetition of these, right? Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father, Philip? What do you mean? Thomas is the guy who always gets the bad rap for questioning. But in this same section of Scripture, in the last moments of Jesus, on this night that he's going to be betrayed, he's having this conversation, and it's not just Thomas, it's Philip who is also struggling. And he's going, will you just show us the Father? And Jesus is looking back at him, and he's going, when you saw me heal the blind man, guess what? You saw the Father. When you heard me pray, you saw the Father. When you saw me raise Lazarus, you saw the Father. I'm God, gentlemen. I'm God. And when you saw me, when you saw how I prayed, and you saw how I treated people, and you watched the reaction of the grace and the mercy that poured out of my body, you saw my Father. Wow. Hallelujah. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And the words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father who lives in me who is doing his work. There's a lot of words in here that repeat, but there is one word. If you get nothing else out of what I say today, it's this word. It's the word no. K-N-O-W. There's a fancy thing that I learned in graduate school which would shock some of you sitting here that I actually went to graduate school, that if you take a section of whatever it is and you throw it into a shape, it's called a tagzito. So here's one. Here's a tagzito of this entire section. There's two words that stand out beyond all the other ones to me. The first one is father. It's always about the father. But there's another one in there, and it's this. It's no. Jesus knew his audience. He knew who he was talking to. And so he uses two different versions of the Greek word no here. He uses an interplay. And so in the beginning section of Scripture, up through verse 6, he's used the word no, and it's this. It's the Greek word oida. What is oida? Oida is this, like, base level I know about him, I know some facts about him, I know some general information, I could recite some things about this person, 
or this thing. That's oida. And that's what he's using in the beginning section of the scripture. But then when he fixes his gaze in answer to Philip's question, it switches. And they knew it. And it's this word. Gnosko. What is gnosko? Gnosko is a whole nother level of intimacy. This isn't just base level knowledge. This isn't just general facts. This is you know me. And you know me on an intimate, on a journey, on the way to something knowledge. You have for three years been with me, sat with me, talked with me, listened to me, watched me. You have learned from me. You know me on this level. It's the same word when Mary said, how can this be? I have not known Gnosko, a man in this way. That level of intimacy. It begs the question, do you know him like that? Second question, do you want to? You remember the old song, oh, I want to know him more. Deep within my heart, I want to know him. You remember those words? And so wherever you're at on the faith journey, whatever your position is, is that your heart's cry? Oh, wherever I'm at, I want to know him more because I believe there is more of him to know. Do you want to know him like that? Wow. It's a personal, intimate, experiential. There are five major world religions. I have a map to show you them. And I will not go into defending or trying to get into an apologetics about this. But Hinduism, Judaism, Muslim, you can go through all of these. Christianity is still the predominant world religion. But there are many who would say, it's this verse, Kevin. It's this verse, Adrian, or whoever. Maybe you have friends that would say, it's just too exclusive. So what do we do about the young boy that's in Calcutta, India, or the young girl that's in Japan, and she's not been raised in a Christian environment? I would say this in response to you. You and I, in particular me, let me speak for me, I am not God. But all I know about the love that I read from the beginning of Genesis all the way through is about a God who has a love for broken humanity. And so how could I even begin to think that a loving God is interested in excluding people. I don't believe that. I also will make you this statement. In a world that's telling you there is just whatever you believe is truth, that is not truth. All roads lead to Jesus, that is not true. We do believe that, right? Because that is absolutely what our culture is telling us. You can believe whatever you want and you will get there. You can believe in whoever you want and you will get there. That is not biblical. That's not what this story says. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, he comes along and he says, there is only one name under by which men must be saved. There's the rub. It seems really, really exclusive. Jesus in this entire section has talked a lot about a place, but he's talking more instead of locational, he's talking about relational. All of John chapter 14 is about relationship. 
Do you know me? And do you want to know me more? C.S. Lewis said this, the former atheist. Jesus Christ is either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's the real thing. He's either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's the real thing. In Psalms 27, it says, teach me your way, O Lord. And Jesus says, I am the way. Psalms 86, 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk and live in your truth. And he says, I am the truth. <laughs> Psalm 16, 11 says, show me the path of life. And he says, I am life. And the reason he gives them in specific order, the way, the truth, and the life is because the way is possible because he's the truth and because he provides life. Wow. Many of us have a picture like this. We think that when we think about this, that this just seems way too exclusive. That you're telling me that there's only one way to get to the Father? I'm not telling you that. Scripture's telling us that. But the problem is that we have decided in our minds to hold our funnels like this. And so we think that it all goes through when in reality we just have to do this. Right? And I wish I had a bigger one. I traveled from... Pennsylvania, so I stole this from Danny Branner in Virginia. I really wish I had one that was like so big I couldn't even hold it. Because the offer is, the ask, the beg, the love, the grace is poured out for any. It's a wide funnel. It's huge. Do you remember the parable of the ten virgins? And only five got in, but all ten, are you listening, were invited. All ten were invited. And make no mistake, all today are invited. And the funnel is wide. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.